0: <laughs> She's a better teacher than I am. Um, it is good. It's good to be family. I am excited about this new year and about this theme. As you've heard, we've said it several times. That is our vision for this year is that we are family. And it comes from Joshua 24:15. And so um, Chelsea made a slide for that. You Hopefully you saw it in an opening uh, announcements and things like that. But it comes from that verse, 24:15. I'm abbreviating the verse where it says, Choose today whom you'll serve as for me and my family we will serve the Lord, right? And so I've had, I remember growing up in my mom and dad's house and we had a plaque that said, the Donnellys, Joshua 24, 15, um, this house will serve the Lord. And that's important that we make these decisions. And so um, this morning, the title of this morning's message is a family decision. I don't have a whole bunch of slides for you this morning. So if you are the one who takes notes, that's the, the title of this morning's message. So if you want to take out notes, uh, there's always, we always make it available for you. Um, my kids are learning to journal. We're starting some new things this year and this is it beginning of a new year, so maybe you've never taken notes before. Maybe today's a day that you start taking notes. Um, You write down what God is saying to you in the message, and then you remember it as you write it down. I know for me, when I was in college, I would write down notes, and I would go to study. I was like, oh, I remember this. It's because I wrote it down, and so I encourage you, um, even if you're not a big note taker, Maybe try a new thing. Don't despise the, the day of small beginnings. Um, so again, Tyler's this morning's message is a family decision. And we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 24. So you can grab a Bible in the pew in front of you. You can open up your app to Joshua, Joshua 24, however you want to do that. Um, but we're going to be looking at the context of that verse where it says, Choose this day whom you're going to serve. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And um, the verse before that, actually, that, that I like reading context, right? Context is king. Sometimes we read verses. I don't want to burst any bubbles, but I know for me, uh, a lot of younger people when I was in high school, their favorite verse was, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? But I, sometimes I burst in people's bubble. Like, do you know what that means? Like, did you read the context of that verse? That you can go through adversity, you can have nothing, you can be poor and have no possessions, and you can have success in that, or you can have abound. Are you, like, it's not like you can win a football game, or you can, like, you can do all things. It's, the idea is that you can do anything for Christ. You are able to go through any season of life and still bring glory to God. And so I don't want to burst bubbles. What I want to do is I want to give context. We're going to serve the Lord. Well, why? Where, why is Joshua saying this? So the verse before that, it, it starts in the New King James. It says, Now therefore fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. I like those therefores because they're for a reason, right? Therefore, they're for a reason. Um, the whole beginning, chapter 24, it's verse 1. It t- Joshua has gathered all the nation of Israel. He gathers all of them together, all the people, young and old, the leaders, the least of these, all of them are all together. And he's gathered this huge congregation. And I'll give you context. At the very end of chapter 24, it says that Joshua died. So this is his last public declaration. Is his last public gathering. It's his last words to the nation of Israel as the leader, and um, and so he's gathered them all together. And leading up to these verse 15 is our theme verse. Leading up from verse one to 14 and 15, he's having them remember. Remember what God has done. Remember that you are the sons of Abraham. Remember that God took Abraham out of this land and he brought him into the promised land and he said this land of Canaan is going to be for your children and your children's children and you're going to have so many kids that look at the stars in the sky. He's having them remember. And then remember that Jacob went down to Egypt and that you were in Egypt for 400 years. guys remembering this, and God took you out of Egypt, and he took you to the wilderness. He provided for you. He's having them remember the faithfulness of God. He's having them remember and recall all these things. And so now he's saying, all right. Now, if you read the whole, now that, to me we can read the whole verse 15, because when I just read, choose this day who we are going to serve, ask for me in my house, but actually it's a long verse. So verse 15, in the New Living Translation, it says this. But if you refuse to serve the Lord... Then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served before the Euphrates, beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the God of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. So I want to give you context. Joshua is saying, you've got options. You live in a land of abundance. You live in a land that's prosperous. You live in a land where you can live a comfortable, good life. But who are you going to serve? And for me, I live in America, the, I'll say the most blessed nation this world has ever seen. This is the, We live in a land of abundance. It's easy to serve other gods. If you guys remember, um, Ramin Parsa came here and spoke a while ago. And uh, he was persecuted in Iran where he became a Christian, went to Turkey. And he was all the different places. Finally, he was flying to America. And he was so excited to come to a Christian nation. And you guys remember his testimony while he was on the airplane? He felt the Lord say, be careful. He's like, wait, what? Be careful. Like, shouldn't I be careful people trying to kill me in these, you know, the Middle East? But he's like, no, be careful when you go to America. Because the enemy is going to pull you away and distract you and deceive you in so many different things. And he's like, what? I never would have thought I had to be careful in a Christian nation. And this is what Joshua is saying. He's saying, you guys have entered into the promised land and you've got to be careful. You've got lots of options. But you've got to choose whom you're going to serve. You've got to make a decision. The title of this morning's message, right? A family decision. We're going to look at three things. Joshua says this in 24, 15. He says, I'm going to serve the Lord. But after he says this, three times the nation of Israel will respond and say, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. So the first one, they recount after verse 15. Maybe I should turn there. I'm not even there in my Bible. Joshua 24. So after verse 15, then it says 16. So the people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is He who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who did great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. There's the very first time they respond. We will serve the Lord too. Joshua, you said you're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Why are they saying this? It's in context. This is my first point for taking notes. They made a decision of dedication. How do you serve the Lord? Kind of three things we're going to look at how you serve the Lord. How do you do this? You make a decision of dedication. They were remembering God's faithfulness, how God was dedicated to them. God had chose them. And made a covenant with them and was sticking to his covenant no matter what. Even if they complained, even if they served other gods, Yahweh was dedicated to to the nation of Israel. And they're remembering God's dedication. They're remembering God's faithfulness. So they're saying, just as God is faithful, we choose to be faithful to God. We choose to be dedicated to God. They said, so I kind of said in this phrase, after repeating the faithfulness of God in specific ways in their past, they chose to be faithful to God In the future, they made a decision of dedication. I've heard people. I've heard people say, um, "I'll I'll use an example for myself. When I was five years old, I made a decision to follow Jesus. I made a decision that He's the Lord of my life, that He died for my sins. Right? I said the sinner's prayer at five years old, and you could say it it was a one-time prayer. I made a one-time decision." But I don't like saying I made a one-time decision. I made a first-time decision. Because when I was five years old, I made it for the first time that I'm gonna follow Jesus. But now that I'm 43 years old almost, I've made thousands of decisions since that day to follow Christ. I wasn't gonna say this, but I think I will. I wasn't planning to say this at least. Just a sobering fact, the idea of the difference between a one-time decision and a first-time decision with thousands of decisions after it. A sobering thought for my mind, maybe hopefully it's for somebody else. I've done memorial services and funerals for people who made a one-time decision to follow Christ, and then the family members are... Clinging to that one time decision, and we don't know, but we're just hoping and praying and taking God at His word that man, they were saved. They said the sinner's prayer, they're saved, and God is gracious and kind, and we're gonna see them in heaven one day. But I've also done memorial services of people that made thousands of decisions to follow Christ, and the memorial services were completely different. It was a joy to honor and remember and reflect and say, I want to be like that person who passed away making thousands of decisions to follow Christ. Whereas the other memorial services where they made a one-time decision, it was a struggle. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live my life having made a one-time decision. I love that Joshua, he says, choose this day whom you will serve. Don't make it a one-time decision. Choose it today. And the next day you wake up, choose it again today. Yeah. And the next day you wake up, choose it again today. Yeah. There's something about when you make a decision over and over and over again, you are forging something. You're creating something. You're fashioning something. Yeah. I look at people in this church that have been here before I got here. I've, here. I've been here a pretty long time. I've been here for 30, I don't know, over 30 years, I'll say. Some of you have been here way longer than that. This church has been here for 70 years. And there's something about the people that have been here for decades, they carry a weight about them. They carry something about them different than those of us who have just kind of entered the church for a new time. And that doesn't mean they're better than us, just they've forged something. There's something that they, their history matters. And I'm saying that today God is saying he wants you to make a decision of dedication. Don't live on a one-time decision. Make it a daily decision to follow Christ. Make it a daily decision, as Jesus says, to take your cross daily. Choose to follow him daily. Pick up your cross daily. I I love the songs that I grew up singing in this church, right? I love, um, let's see. Oh, I had them written down. I'm going to forget some of these songs. Where are they at? You would know these these daily songs. I had decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back is an old one, right? You guys remember that one? Should we sing it now? But I've just decided and I've made it a decision over and over again. There's no turning back. I'm going to keep deciding to follow Jesus. Which means there's a sacrifice involved. Which means I don't live for myself. I live for Christ. He's worth it. There's some other songs we sing. Right? A little more fun. A beat one. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's this conscious effort. I'm choosing to serve the Lord. And I love Psalm 100. My kids all memorized it in school. But I love the verse in there. It says, to do that, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. But it says, to serve the Lord with gladness. It's a daily decision that I'm going to put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. I don't feel like being joyous. I don't feel like being glad. But I choose to be glad. I choose to put on joy. I choose to put on a garment of praise. I choose again and again and again to do this, and then I become what I decide. I don't wait till I feel like it. No, I make a decision, and then I become what I decide. Is that making sense? I don't feel glad sometimes when I wake up in the morning. But I choose, this is the day you've made God. I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. It's a daily decision, over and over again. Another song I love, I sing I think at VBS as a kid. Day by day I'm growing stronger. Day by day my victory's won. As I yield my life to Jesus. Oh, day by day I overcome. It's this daily walk with Christ. I daily overcome. I daily am getting stronger. I'm growing from glory to glory. Line upon line, precept upon precept, I'm getting stronger in Christ. I'm not going to remain stagnant. I'm not going to stay the same. I'm going to grow in Christ. And that's why I love this theme about family. My kids, they don't stay the same size. My kids are starting to get bigger and stronger and taller than me, right? They're growing. It's natural to grow. But I wonder how many of us spiritually are stunted in our growth. It's because we're leaning on a one-time decision. And you've heard me say this a thousand times in this church. I am a pastor that doesn't care a whole lot about your ticket to heaven. I say that because different pastors or different leaders have different gift sets. I was thinking about this. I don't know. I've never thought to really think about and count, but I'm guessing I've... I've helped hundreds of people say the sinner's prayer and come to Christ. So I wouldn't say, like, I'm not an evangelist at all. I have this desire to bring people to Christ. But way deeper than having people say a sinner's prayer, there's something deep within me as a pastor is I want people to grow. I want people to learn. I want people to be discipled. I want people to have what I have in my walk with Christ. I don't want them just to have a ticket to heaven. If that's all I had in my life, I would not be glad every day. But I have his presence that never leaves me. I have his peace that surpasses all my understanding, and I see people that don't have peace, and I'm like, wait, aren't you in the kingdom of God? How do you not have the peace of God? You've got to walk in it. You've got to choose daily whom you're going to serve. And as Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm making a daily decision, and I'm growing day by day because that decision over and over again, I'm forging something. I'm creating something. I, I was thinking about this. I don't know. I think I wrote it down. Let's see if I can find it. I can just say it, but it was, sometimes, we, again, when you write things down, you have time to think about it and actually create something. Hmm. Let's see if I can find it because i got lots of notes in here. All right, the first, my first time decision may have put my name in the Lamb's book of life with a raucous shout and celebration in heaven. But the continual decision that I have made to put his name on my lips with a quiet, gentle whisper brings heaven to earth, brings heaven into my daily life. My first time decision, there was. It says that when one sinner says the sinner's prayer, when they come to Christ, that the angels throw a party up in heaven. There's this joyous celebration in that first time decision. But sometimes in your 50th decision, there's nobody else around, nobody else looking, and you're forging something. There's no big fanfare. There's no big celebration. When nobody else is looking, I choose to follow Christ. I choose to humble myself. I'm actually learning to hear my shepherd's voice. I don't hear the raucous crowd of all the saints before me and all the angels joining in celebration. I'm learning to hear the gentle whisper, the still small voice. I don't want to point the finger because I've been in the same boat a thousand times. One of the biggest things people ask is, how do you hear the voice of God? People that are in relationship with God, they wanna know, how do you hear the voice of God? So many times I've prayed for decisions, like, God, just tell me what to do. And I'm trying to hear the voice of God. But so many times the way I get to hear His voice, it doesn't come in a one time prayer. It comes in a daily decision to humble myself and say, Jesus, you are all I want. More than what I'm asking for, more than for an answer to my decision, I just want you. I just wanna be in your presence that I've learned that my prayer life is I'm not going to God asking for Him to give me my desires. I go to God and I say, Father, what are your desires? What do you want? It brings me pleasure to hear what you want and to go and do it. And it becomes an entirely different thing instead of me as a spoiled little kid saying, Daddy, I want this, 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 that when I come to Him, as a friend, and I first have asked him, what do you want? My life is yours. Everything I have is yours. It would bring me the greatest joy today just to hear your voice of what would make you somewhat remotely put a smile on your face. I'll do it, God. And then in response to hear him say, Ryan, all right, but I wanna know what you want. It's a completely different thing for him, for me to give him the desires of my heart in that posture. My heart has been changed. My heart has been forged. As you heard Jen talking, there's something about, there's a sensitivity to the Lord. My first time decision to follow Christ, I'll be honest with you, as a five-year-old, I just didn't want to go to AT double hockey sticks. (laughs) My, My kindergarten teacher said that if I accepted Jesus, I could go to heaven. If I didn't, I was going to hell. So I'm like, yeah, I'll say the prayer. It was a selfish prayer. But I've learned over time with my relationship with God, I'm not praying because I just want things from Him. I actually want Him. There's part of me that I can't wait to get to heaven. I love thinking about seeing my sister again, seeing people that I've loved that have gone before me. There's so many things I can't wait to see. And that's not wrong to think about those things. But my prayers are not, my thought life is not filled with thinking of one day. It's thinking about today. God, how do I bring heaven on earth today? Jesus, you taught me. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth today as it is in heaven today. There's things that are going on in heaven right now that I want to take place on earth today. But it comes in this daily daily deciding to follow Christ. Choose this day whom you will serve. Going back to the context of this passage, I'll say it again. After the Israelites, after the people of God, after they had remembered and repeated the faithfulness of God, they made a decision of dedication. From this day forward, God, I will be faithful to you. I will follow you all the days of my life. Now, right, you're stuck. I always think of movies and songs. that's just how my brain thinks. And I thought of this earlier as I was preparing this message. And so it came again. So maybe it's just my brain. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. You can decide. But most secular love songs these days are pretty selfish. But I remember hearing a song. I don't even know who it is. It was when I was in junior high. And my, high, my sisters were in high school, and um, my sister, Risa, was dating Eric Benning, who they grew up in this church together. They're married now for probably 30 years now. But they were dating. She was probably 15, 16 years old. They were dating. And this is how old it was. Eric had made a mixed tape. <laughs> and we were listening to that tape in an old, I don't know, 87 Honda. Um, and the song came on, and I don't know Why? I can remember where I was getting off the freeway in this green 87 Honda with my sister driving on our way to school, listening to this mixed tape of love songs, but this one stuck out. And again, I don't remember who it is. You can look it up. I don't know. It's like the same genre of journey, that same genre, but it said, the, the lyrics of the, this line says, I will be faithful to my lover's hand. I will be faithful. I'll see you. I got to see it because I can't remember the lines. I will be faithful to my lover's hand. I will be faithful, and I don't care what the... If the world gives up on love, you can count on me. I will be faithful to you. Totally butchered this song. But the line was, I remember it stood out to me, I will be faithful to you. I don't know how popular that song would be now in the radio. Is that really something that people are looking for? But that's what it was back in my day when I was a kid, right? Back in my day when I was a kid, that was a love song. I'll be faithful to you. (laughs) But there's something about that. There's something about us deciding, God, I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. I choose this day and I make a commitment every day of my life. I'm going to live for you. It's a love song to the Lord. It might seem like a silly point in a Pastor Ryan's sermon, but there's something sweet in our father's ears when he hears his children say, I'll never give up on you, God. Like Job, you can give and you can take away. I will bless the Lord at all times. I know that my Redeemer lives. And on that last day, I will see him face to face. I might be confused. I might not understand all of his ways. But I trust him. And I will serve him with gladness. Even when it doesn't make sense. I got to be a little, little faster. Second one. All right. So they made a decision. That was their first decision. That They echoed Joshua. Yes, we're going to serve him too. Keep reading. Verse 19. But Joshua said to the people, You can't serve the Lord, for He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He won't forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after He he has done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Joshua is saying, Do you understand the gravity of what you're saying? You're saying this, I'm committed, I'm committed. But do you realize how holy God is? Do you realize how jealous he is? Do you realize there's consequences when you say you're going to serve him and then you disobey? So, my second point is a decision of discipline. These children of God are saying, We're going to make a decision to come under the submission of God, we'll come under his discipline. Well, come under whatever he sees fit. If we disobey, we welcome his discipline. I'm not running away and trying to get away from the discipline of God. I want the discipline of God. I invite it into my life. Amen. I remember reading that in Proverbs as a teenager. The Lord disciplines those whom he loves. That a wise man seeks out discipline. It's like, ooh, okay, I'm gonna have to swallow that one a few times. I want to be disciplined. I had to repeat that one lots of times. All right. I'm going to say it till I believe it. I want discipline. I want to be corrected. I want to change. I want other people to show me where I'm wrong. Whew. But I love that in the family of God, do you not realize that oftentimes the discipline of the Lord comes through family members? The person that has disciplined me more than my mom or dad, my wife. Is that I'm not saying that, that's a good thing. She knows me better than anybody else in this room. So she should be able to point out hey, that was a little uncalled for. Just the other yesterday, I said something. Wow, that was a little harsh to one of my kids. I needed that. I need someone to call me out to show me it. So I'm submitted to being disciplined, even in the family of God. Yeah, tissue. Um, Where is your heart in that? Are you willing to make a decision today that you want to be disciplined by the Lord and if he sees fit, through family members? Are you willing to submit to one another? Are you inviting, I'll put it this way. Who here needs no correction in your life? It's one of those things where we all know we've got areas in our life we need to work on. We all have areas where we fail in. We all have areas of weakness. We know that, but we don't want someone else telling us. There's something about my pride and arrogance. I don't want anyone else to tell me what to do. In fact, I was reading this. I don't know if I I had it somewhere in here. I I don't even find it. It's an Obadiah. Obadiah? No, I got to find it now. Make sure it, it is. Obadiah verse 3. Obadiah is one of those tiny books of the Bible where there's no chapter because it's just one chapter. There's only a few (laughs) verses in the book. Obadiah 3. So not chapter 3, just the verse 3. Obadiah 3. I was reading it this last week and it says, the pride of your heart has deceived you. I had to drink that one in a couple times. I have areas of my life where I am blinded and I don't see it. I don't see where I'm wrong, and it's because I'm full of pride, because I don't want to be corrected. I don't want to be told, right? I like telling people, I'm not so much a defensive driver, I'm just an aggressive driver. (laughs) I'm not a rude driver, I'm just aggressive, right? And so I make areas to cover up where maybe I need to be corrected, but my pride is what deceives me. If I'm truly open to all the discipline the Lord has for me, then the enemy has no room to keep me in bondage. I, have, I won't be deceived. But if I'm holding back and saying, I don't want correction. No, I have some pride in here. Then God resists the proud. And it gives an opportunity for the enemy to come in and bring deception. Maybe not a fun topic, but I'm excited that as we develop this theme of family, as we learn to submit to one another, as we welcome the correction of the Lord, as we decide to be disciplined, it's going to bring health. It's going to be truth that sets us free. It's going to cause growth and maturity. It's going to cause freedom and joy and celebration. I'm looking forward to this year of correction. Discipline. I, make, I, I, I am sure I'm sure of it. Where I have, a, I'll just be honest with you. This is Maybe this is, sounds arrogant. I'm more comfortable with people correcting me than I am correcting somebody else. Not everyone's the same way, but that's my natural bent. I'm a peacemaker. I don't like bringing up problems. As a parent, I can make it, my kids arguing, doing something, I'm like, eh, I won't step in. Like, they'll figure it out. And my wife, hello, do you not hear what's going on in the bedroom? You need to step, you're the dad. Step in and correct what's going on. And they're like, all right. I'm just letting you know, that's my, that's my failure, is I don't like bringing correction. But I love the fruits of correction. I'll tell you, I've seen my own kids, when I finally step in and become the dad and step in a situation and say, all right, you're wrong in this area and you're wrong in this area and we've gotta work on this. And I've actually seen my kids submit to their dad's correction. There's times where they just, they're teenage kids, right? They don't wanna hear dad. But there's so many more times I've seen their heart change. I've seen them submit to dad and say, dad, I believe you're more wise than I am. I don't fully see it the same way as you, but I'll do it your way, because you're my dad. Do you know the joy that it brings to my heart? And do you know that I see healing and restoration happen? I mean, I just ugh, I don't want to get too much on tangent. But my three boys all share one bedroom. <sighs> they could see that as a curse, But I remember as I was putting them to bed just a few weeks ago, I was reminding them, "You don't know yet. But in years to come, you're going to look at this and you're going to see that this is one of the biggest blessings you ever had. Yeah. Yeah. That you are not just biologically blood brothers. You actually are best friends. That you forged something in your younger years. That Benjamin is the oldest. You got to witness things and he got to steward and that you got to develop. There's things that you're going to be so thankful for this. Yeah. Maybe you don't see it right now, but I see it. I have vision for it. And it was fun as I was putting them in the bed to hear them pray, and them agree. God, this is a good thing. It's a good thing that I'm learning how to get along with my brother that I disagree with. I don't like the way he does this, but I'm choosing to love him anyways. I'm choosing to forgive him anyways. I'm learning how to get along in the family of God. So as Sally said that, are you sure? You're right, this might seem scary to some of you. There's gonna be some confrontation this year. it's going to be good it's gonna bring health I promise you my boys they get along they're normal teenage boys and they go at it sometimes but they love each other we're gonna be a church where we don't put on fake plastic faces and say God bless you brother and really behind their back oh man I can't stand that person we're gonna get rid of any of that and we're gonna know how to love each other and enjoy each other and appreciate each other for our differences It's going to be good. All right, we've got to move on to the third one, right? Keep reading. Uh, So that was verse 21. So verse 22. So Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses. All right, you said it twice. You're witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourself to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, he said, Put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua for the third time, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. My third point is, they made a decision to demonstrate. Joshua said, all right, you've made a decision to serve the Lord your God. Now you've got to put feet to it. You've got to act on it. You've actually got to do something. They still had foreign gods. If you read all throughout, uh, scholars, read throughout the Old Testament, they're reading about people that, I mean, even David and and Jacob and all these other people that are pillars, right, heroes in the faith, you'll find that often they still had other gods in their households. They worshiped Yahweh, but they still had an Ashtaroth. They still had these other things. And Joshua is saying, no, you've got to physically go pick up those other things and remove them and get them out of your life. You've got to take action. You've got to demonstrate it. It can't be lip service. It can't just be an inner decision. There's got to be an external witness, something that other people in the family can see. Wow, he made that decision. Something changed. They are acting upon that decision. They demonstrated it. They did something. If you keep reading, it says, then Joshua, I'll keep reading a couple more verses. Verse 25, so Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. Then Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and he took a large stone and set up under the oak tree that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. You can keep reading, but he did something physical. Joshua said, all right, I'm going to move this big rock, and we're going to put it in a place where we get to see it daily and remind you. It's an external thing that's going to remind you of an internal decision. Some of us need to do some things. As we start this new year, there's got to be action. It can't just be, oh, it's a great sermon, Pastor Ryan. Yes, I choose to serve God. I choose to be part of a family. Those are great things to say and great things to decide, but we've got to demonstrate it. I'll be a little more bold. I'll keep going down that road. Some of us, would raise our hands in saying that we serve God. We worship him alone. But how well do you demonstrate your worship to God? We are in a Pentecostal church, if you didn't know that or not. I know we're non-dominational, but we are charismatic. We're Pentecostal. We believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. To me, I like to demonstrate my worship. I love where David danced undignified before the Lord. There's something about demonstrating. There's something about, I will bless the Lord. There's Throughout all the Psalms, I will raise my hands. I will kneel. I will clap. I will shout. I will do something to demonstrate my worship. Yes. Is it possible to love God and say that you worshiped him and go to heaven and you never raised your hands in the church service before? Of course it is. But I'm saying I don't want to stay in my infancy. I don't want just a ticket to heaven. I don't want to have said a one-time prayer. I want to grow. I want to daily demonstrate a decision. I'm going to demonstrate my love for God today. Today, I'm going to serve God with demonstration. I'm going to tell somebody else how good God is. I'm going to tell somebody else that God loves them. I'm going to do something. I'm going to turn my Christian music on loud in my car and sing loud for everyone else around me to see, right? I don't care, I said that, I think of Elf, right? I'm in love, I'm in love, I don't care who else knows, right? There's something about this demonstration. I'm unashamed of the gospel. I'm unashamed if I look undignified. The fear of man is losing its grip on me every single day because daily I'm gonna be demonstrative in my worship. I'm gonna be demonstrative in my serving the Lord. I choose this day to serve the Lord in demonstration, in external, visible, quantifiable ways. Hmm. After a demand for immediate action, they chose to put action behind their words and demonstrated obedience. Demonstration means more than just action and more than just internal beliefs. Hmm, I was thinking about this. It's kind of an analogy that goes to all three of these points, really. Not me and not anyone in this church, but I've heard of a husband, again, not me, not my story, but I've heard of this. A husband going to marriage counseling and the counselor asking, Well, when's the last time you told your wife that you loved her? He's like, I said it on my wedding day. I made a one-time decision. What else does she want from me? I I said it 30 years ago on the altar in front of everybody that I was going to forsake all others and that she would be my wife. What else does she want from me? She wants the daily decision. She wants the daily demonstration. Well, why does she need me to say it again? She knows that I love her. Because she wants it demonstrated. Why does God want you to sing him songs every single day, every Sunday? Why do we sing songs every Sunday? Because he wants a demonstration of your love. Are you willing to sing? Are you willing to raise your hands? Are you willing to, to go all in in your demonstration of choosing this day to serve and follow God? I don't want to be that kind of husband that needs marriage counseling because I don't know how to demonstrate my love because I made a one-time decision. I want to be faithful to my lover's hand. I want her to know that every day of my life, I choose again for her to be my bride. I choose her to be happy over my happiness. I want her to get what she wants over what I want. If we're in an argument, we both want something, I choose for her to get what she wants. I choose it again and again and again. And isn't that what makes family beautiful, the church beautiful, if everyone is doing that? Not my will, your will be done, God. Not what I want, what do you want? If we all had that same attitude, what a beautiful family we would live in. But it has to be demonstrated and so I want to give you an opportunity. This isn't a demand, but this is a call. As we normally start off the new year, for the last several years, I've called us to a fast. It's going to look a little different. Most, people, Other than my wife, I don't think anyone that's in this room knows what I'm about to call us to. Um, we've done all kinds of fasts, where you don't eat from sunup to sundown. As long as the sun's up, you don't get to eat. We've done d- Daniel fasts. We've done all kinds of different things of, of food, It's going to be food-related, but here's what I'm going to ask you. Give me a second to describe it, but there's three main points I want to hit. Because, oh, you know what? I'm going to read a verse before we get there. I told you in the beginning of service, when I opened up service, I was in Zechariah. And in chapter 4, don't despise the day of small beginnings, right? All those things. Let me read to you another passage from Zechariah, chapter 7. And it says this in verse 5. Did you really fast for me? For me, says the Lord. I love that he repeats it. Were you really fasting for me? For me, says the Lord in the next verse. When you eat and when you drink, do you not eat and drink for yourself? I love how the Message Bible says this. It says, you're interested in religion. I'm interested in people and relationships. So I'm going to use that as my springboard into our fast. The fast is you don't, if you're joining me, I, will put it this way, I am not going to eat alone for the next 21 days. What does that mean? I'm not going to eat alone. Meaning if I'm in my car, I'm not stopping to eat or put snacks in my mouth. I'm going to break bread with my family. This can look different for all of us, I know, because we all have different family situations and living situations. But what I'm calling you to is, you can tailor take this and take it before the Lord, tailor it to how I would love that we all have a different way of doing this. But the idea is, you don't get to eat alone. Does that mean that um, if you work at, at your work, there's a big you know, mess hall, and you're, as long as you're eating with people, you're following the pastor's thing? No, that's not what I'm saying because I have two more points. Wait. <laughs> you don't get to eat alone, but you get to break bread with family. So if you're alone, say you live by yourself, then when you do have a meal, maybe you get to FaceTime or Zoom or call or better yet, Invite someone over to your house. Go out to eat with somebody. Get along with family. The idea is family. Connecting this idea of fasting and family. And the Lord is saying, I don't want religion. I want relationships and people. That's what God wants. So it can look different. I'll let you kind of ask some questions in the end. Here's my next two points. So when you do break bread, when you do eat for the next 21 days, you're doing it with someone, at least one other person. And what you're doing is... You are bringing something to the table. You are remembering something that God has done recently in your life. And you're sharing something. So it can be God healed you, God provided, God protected. It could be this big miracle. It could be something super small, real big. It could be something that you failed and you made a mistake and you repented and God forgave you. I mean, the possibilities are endless. But the idea is you're bringing a personal testimony. You're remembering God's faithfulness. You're making a decision of dedication. Every day, I'm going to remember God's faithfulness. I remember what he's done in my life. So for me, I got, I got lots of kids. I got lots of people in my family. They get, to tell, they get to tell their dad something that happened to them at school that day, right, as we have dinner. They get to remember something. Second thing, so now I'm bringing something to the table, reminding people of what God has done in my life recently. Then you get to declare something that God is saying to the person you're eating a meal with. Is that making sense? So as you're listening to what they just shared, it can be as simple as the Lord is for you, not against you. God's favor rests on you. It can be you're making a declaration. You're just saying, man, Jesus loves you. You can say, you know what? I'm committing again today to pray for you. What you just mentioned and that struggle in your life, I'm going to pray for you. I'm, I'm making a dedication with you right now. I'm going to do something for you. Is that kind of making sense? So you're not eating alone. You're When you do eat, you're remembering and you're declaring. Is that making sense? If you don't know, take notes. Um, I can remind you, maybe I'll send an email out later today with some of those points. And one more thing I want to add to that is um, we're trying something new. I've never done this before, um, but I don't know how many of you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or iPad or whatever else, but a couple of you got some invitations from me. We finally created a church I don't know, app, whatever thing on this app. But if you want, there's a slide here. Um, You can scan that with your QR code. If you just open up your camera and your phone right now, you can scan that. The idea is there's a 21-day devotional that we can do together as a family. It's it's for the new year. There's some new beginnings, some new things that God is going to do. I think there's another slide that kind of gives you an idea of what the um, devotional looks like. All things new. So it's a 21-day devotional. It's free. It's available on the app. You can find it. If you scan your camera right now, it's in the foyer. You can go to our website. We've made it easy lots of different ways. Um, I like this. I'm trying something new. I'm not a big social media person, but I just invited a whole bunch of people that are already on this app to be my friends. And now you guys can watch and see if I did the devotional today or tomorrow. Scary place to be held accountable as the pastor because I I normally read my physical Bible, but I'm going to have to do both now for the next 21 days. Um, It's just an opportunity for you to spend the next 21 days that you're not just removing food, you're replacing it with something, that you have time. Maybe you do this devotional together with the person that you're having a breaking bread with. Um, Did I explain everything good? Okay. So you have an opportunity to join in a 21-day fast, and there's also a 21-day devotional. Is that making sense? Two separate things, but they're connected. Um, I think I covered all that. Information wise. Yeah, so as Daniel comes up, kind of close the service. Kind of, I know I just kind of like talked about technical things, and now we're going back. You guys remember the three points? Tile this message a family decision. We're making a decision today whom we're going to serve. Are you going to serve the Lord? Yes? Yes. yes. Are you going to make today a decision of dedication? that you're going to serve the Lord today and tomorrow and every day of your life? Yes. Amen. Are you willing, the scary one, the second point, are you willing to make a decision today to be disciplined? Yes. You submit to the Lord's discipline? Yes. Scary one for me to say. Do you submit to your pastor's discipline? Yes. I'll have to work on that one. Third one, what was it? A decision of demonstration. Do you choose this day to demonstrate your love for God? Yes. That you're, this year, you're going to demonstrate more than you did last year. More than you're comfortable with. I, when we had the New Year's Eve party, I tried to tell people, we're about to get a little loud and crazy with loud dance songs, and I would not label myself a dancer. I'm not gifted in that area, but I tried to dance on New Year's Eve. There's some things you might not label yourself, you might not feel gifted in, but I'm telling you, if you just made that decision today that you're going to demonstrate you're serving and trusting God, there's some things you're not going to be comfortable in that you're going to step into this year. Amen? You're willing to demonstrate. So would you stand with me as we close the service in prayer and maybe sing one last song? God, I thank you for your word that it does not return void, that we're reading a story that happened thousands of years ago between Joshua and the nation of Israel. But God, you are reviving that story for us today. That as your people here today, we look back at your faithfulness. We recall and we remember, we choose daily to remember your goodness towards us, your faithfulness towards us. And we make a commitment today, God, to follow you, to be faithful to you, to serve you. God, I welcome your discipline. I want you to correct me. I want to be conformed into the image of Christ. You are the potter, I am the clay. You get to shape me and mold me. So Holy Spirit, would you soften my heart this year? Would you prick my heart? Would you cause me to be pliable in my Father's hands? And Jesus, I surrender all. I choose to demonstrate with my mouth, with my hands, with my feet, with my finances, with every resource I have. I choose to demonstrate and make it a public declaration that I choose to serve and follow Jesus, that he is my King, he's my Lord, he's my Father, he's my best friend, he's all that I want. So we are yours. We make a fresh commitment today to serve and follow you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, amen.